Hello and welcome to Parsha on a Pod. My name is Yechiel Schaffer. I am the rabbi of the Pikesville Jewish Congregation in Baltimore, Maryland. This week we will be taking a look at Parshat Vayechi, and he lived. In this Parsha, in Vayechi, we say goodbye to Yaakov and goodbye to Yosef. They breathe their final breaths. They each share their final words and blessings to their children and siblings. And both Yaakov and Yosef offer us a glimpse, an insight into the future destiny of their descendants. Vayechi has 85 verses. It fills 148 lines in the Torah scroll and is the final Parsha in Sefer Bereshit. Here is Parsha Vayechi in seven parts. Part 1. The end is near. Yaakov lives in Egypt for 17 years, paralleling the time that he had spent with Yosef all those years ago, before Yosef had been sold into slavery. As the final moments of Yaakov's life draw near, he asks Yosef to guarantee that he will be buried with his ancestors in Canaan, certainly not in Egypt. Yosef now also gets word that his father is close to death. He's breathing his last breaths and he brings his sons Ephraim and Menashe to see their grandfather one last time. Yaakov shares with Yosef God's blessing, his promise and the destiny that will happen to Yaakov's children. He elevates the status of Ephraim and Manasseh to being as if they were his own children. And he shares what happened with Yosef, what happened to his beloved wife, Rachel, Rachel. He then notices that there are two young men with Yosef and asks who they are. Both Rashi and the Or Hachayim, chapter 48, verse 8, asks how it was possible that Yaakov did not recognize his grandsons. They both suggest that Yaakov foresaw the future and understood that each of them would have descendants with questionable behavior. And he was concerned about the spiritual makeup of his grandchildren. The question of who they were was not one of identity, but one of spiritual identity. And so ends part one. Part 2. The Blessings of a Grandfather Yaakov had become blind in his old age, and he embraced Yosef's children. Yaakov expresses his marvel at not only being reunited with Yosef, but now also seeing Yosef's children, seeing them being alive. Yosef arranges his sons in front of Yaakov, placing Menashe, who is the older child, on the right side of Yaakov, and Ephraim, who is the younger, on the left side. Yaakov raises his hands and places them on the heads of his grandchildren. He reverses Yosef's order and places his right hand on Ephraim's head and his left hand on Menashe's head. Yaakov now pronounces the famous blessing of Hamalach. If you examine chapter 48 verse 15, you see that it seems that Yaakov blesses Yosef, not Ephraim and Menashe. The Orachayim suggests that Yaakov gave Yosef the ability to pronounce meaningful blessings, like Yitzchak had given to him, and like Avram had given to Yitzchak, 
Yosef now received the permission to be a source of blessing himself. And so ends part two. Part three, a tradition of blessing the younger child first. Yosef seems to think that Yaakov has become confused between which child is older and which child is younger. And so he moves to switch his father's hands back to placing the right hand on the head of Menashe. Yaakov insists that he knows exactly what he is doing and that Ephraim's descendants will become exceedingly great. Yaakov blesses them, placing Ephraim before Menashe in the blessing, which Rashi chapter 48 verse 20 indicates that it has significant ramifications in the encampment of the Jewish people set up in later in the desert. And it has ramifications in the order in which the Nasim, the princes of Israel, will bring their gifts to the Mishkan. All is changed. Ephraim is given precedence before Menashe throughout history because of this action of Yaakov. Yaakov now says he is close to death and gives Yosef the extra portion of the city of Shechem, the place where Yosef's exile began all those years ago. And so ends part three. Part four, Jacob offers his final blessings. Yaakov now tells his children that he is close to death and he would like to reveal to them the future. He now begins to pronounce a poem for each of his children, focusing on their history and blessing their future. Now here are the blessings recorded in this Aliyah. To Reuven, Described as Yaakov's firstborn, Yaakov invokes, invokes earlier misbehavior of Reuven and suggests that he is unsteady water and unfortunately has no place in the future of the Jewish people. Shimon and Levi, Yaakov admonishes them for their tendency towards violence and he commits to them to never be collaborative with each other in the future. They would be just too destructive. To Yehuda. Yaakov compares him to a lion, guaranteeing that his brothers will bow to him, that the kingship, the monarchy, will never leave Yehuda to Zevulun. Zevulun will dwell by the sea and will service the people with many ships. To Yisachar, compared to a strong donkey, Yaakov suggests that this tribe will work the land hard. And to Dan, Compared to a serpent, Yaakov suggests that this tribe will act as a dun, will act as a judge on all of Israel. And so ends part four. Part five, the blessings continued. To God, Yaakov suggests that this tribe will will not have much security within the land but will also be effective in its military prowess due to the insecurity it has to live with. To Asher, described as having rich bread, the tribe of Asher will provide food for the future kings of Israel. 
to Naphtali, Yaakov describes the descendants of Naphtali as being beautiful and pleasant. And to Yosef, he describes Yosef as a fruitful child. The longest description within this poem of Yaakov is reserved for Yosef. His love for this child is unshaken, is unchanged. Yaakov describes the trials and tribulations of Yosef and assures that he will be the source of success in the future for the Jewish people. And so ends part five. Part six, the final goodbye, the death of Yaakov. To Binyamin, compared to a wolf, Yaakov speaks of the unique military abilities of his youngest child, of his most vulnerable child. The remainder of chapter 49 concludes with the final words of blessing offered to the 12 tribes of Israel and Yaakov breathing his final breaths. Yosef weeps greatly for his father and requests of the Pharaoh to bury his father in the cave of Abraham, bought as a burial site for the family all those years ago. The Pharaoh agrees, and there is a great procession up to Canaan for this burial. Upon their return to Egypt, the brothers grow concerned for their well-being. Now that Yaakov has gone, they turn to Yosef, seeking his mercy, and he reassures them that he has no ill intent for them. Rashi chapter 50 verse verse 19 recognizes that there may be some resentment remaining within Yosef. He might still be angry at how they treated him, and understandably so. And that the brothers had good reason to be concerned for their safety would now be the moment after their father has died that Yosef will now kill them. Yosef recognized, though, that it was not up to him to act as their judge. He would leave that to God. And so ends part six. Part seven, the death of Yosef and the end of Bereshit. The book of Bereshit concludes with the final words of Yosef, sharing with us that he lived 110 years. Yosef got to see his grandchildren and the Torah tells us that he was actively involved in their education, in their upbringing. They grew up on his knee. The famous, the famous scholar Robert Alter in his translation of the Bible points out that 110, the age with which Yosef died, is an auspicious age in Egyptian culture, like 120 is an auspicious age in Jewish culture. Yosef passes and is the first person in the Torah to be buried in a coffin. In chapter 50, verses 21, Yosef again guarantees the safety and well-being of his brothers and their descendants. Rashi points out that the brothers' story and their presence in Egypt gave Yosef status, because Yosef's Egyptian detractors suggested that he was born a slave. The brothers' presence proved that he was born of a prominent family, and therefore they needed to stick around. And so ends Parshat Vayechi, 
And so concludes the book of Boratius. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes to listen listen to our review, our summary of Parsha Vayechi. And thank you so much for faithfully participating in the review of Sefer Bereshit from the beginning. We have felt so grateful to have so many listeners and so many people offer thoughtful and enthusiastic feedback and reactions to this podcast. My name is Yechiel Schaffer. I'm the rabbi of the Pikesville Jewish Congregation. And here is one final thought on the book of Bereshit. Our book begins with God breathing life into Adam and placing Noah in an ark. Our book concludes with God breathing the life out of Yosef with his passing and his placement into a coffin. The structure of the book of Bereshit is worth further study and consideration. And in this little example shared here, we see that the entire book really is about the creation of worlds. It's about the beginning of new ventures. The beginning of the book is about the creation of humanity. The end of the book is about the creation of the Jewish people. Both at the beginning and the conclusion of Sefer Bereshit, we find the fragility of life, the necessity of God's breath God's effort and involvement to ensure life. And we highlight the need to build structures to protect that which is most precious to us. We hope you've enjoyed Sefer Paracious with Parsha on a pod. We look forward to Sefer Shamos and learning more together, summarizing the weekly Parsha and sharing just a few insights into the compelling stories, ideas, and values of our Torah. Wishing everyone a Shabbat Shalom, and thank you for learning with us.